everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Round Ball Podcast. I am your host, George Chipness of the Round Ball Breaks Facebook group. It's uh, great to be back to do another uh, episode again. Uh, I usually do these episodes on a Tuesday, um, but we had to wait an extra couple of days due to some things. Just got really, really busy over the week for me. But nonetheless, I am here, so I'm ready to uh, go again uh, for everyone here. Again, thanks to everyone for their support. Um, The listening numbers have increased, uh, so that means there's more listeners, there's more subscribers. Don't forget to like and subscribe on the podcast, um, on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud, still working on the other platforms. Um, But we've got a huge, huge uh, episode coming up. We're first going to obviously talk about the big results over the weekend, seeing that it is Friday. I will be glad to talk about the latest European World Cup qualifiers. I'm currently watching one right now in the background on Optus Sports, so really excited to talk about this. Um, It's actually been the most exciting World Cup, uh, sorry, the most exciting international break that I can remember to have World Cup soccer back and um, to have the qualifiers back. Everyone starts at zero. Very exciting to see who did well, who did not, who started off well, who did not start off well. Um, and we're going to get into the big topic every every week. I obviously have a topic. This one, this week, is going to be about card grading. Which card grading service should you pick? Are there alternatives? What's the current status of that market? And then I'm going to go to Holland for my Dutch Eredivisie players to watch. And I'm very excited about this list because there's not a lot of players that we know or that the public knows about the uh, Dutch Eredivisie. And there's going to be one player in particular that I'll be talking about that for all those that know me, I'm very excited about and um, cannot wait to talk about them. But we might as well jump into the World Cup qualifiers and to see how teams in Europe have fared. I'll get out the... um, I won't go through each result but I will go through the ones that have had some serious implications. We'll start off this morning. It's Friday morning this morning, and um, my motherland team, Greece, they held Spain to a one-all draw, which was um, absolutely sensational. It's actually the game that I'm watching right now um, in the background. A great result for the Greek national team. They've been in ruins, uh, pardon the pun, for a few years now. They just have not been the same since uh, the 2014 World Cup. They've lost, they missed out on qualification for 2016. Uh, they missed out on qualification for 2018 World Cup and uh, Euro 2020. So their status in, in Europe has been a bit in limbo, but a great one-all result against Spain really helped them uh, this morning. Didn't help Spain as well. I I can I personally consider Spain a bit overrated, and it showed they had some good players in the game as well. Obviously, Ansu Fati didn't play, but they still have... Sergio Ramos, Rodri, Ferran Torres, they had Morata, they had Coque, and coming off the bench, they had Thiago, they had um, my silent hero, um, Oyazabal of Real Sociedad, we'll talk, we'll talk about him in the La Liga um, players to watch in the upcoming weeks, uh, but they do have a good team, but um, Greeks now going through a bit of a transitional period, um, they bringing in some youngsters, and they're showing to uh, be quite effective. Um, players like Zeka, Tavelas Chimkas, who plays for uh, Liverpool. And um, the my favourite player, the one that I'm very excited about, is uh, Tzolis, and uh, he came on off the bench. Uh, Christoph Tzolis, 19 years of age. He might be the best player in Greece 
um, in a few years. But I'll um, get away from my Greek bias. We'll go to Italy. They beat Northern Ireland 2-0. Uh, Sweden won 1-0 against Georgia. Zlatan Ibrahimovic with the assist in his first game back as a Swedish international player. Scotland drew with Austria 2 all. They did well to come back there. Hungary, Poland was probably the pick of the bunch to, uh, this morning. Um, Poland actually had to come back with a, uh, thanks to their main man, Robert Lewandowski, scoring the equaliser to make it 3-all. And going back to yesterday's results, uh, they didn't have the biggest... Uh, oh, sorry. England obviously won 5-0 against San Marino, but that uh, goes without saying. That was always expected. Last night or yesterday morning, the biggest result came in Turkey where they beat the Netherlands 4-2. Turkey, another silent assassin in the World Cup qualifications and in European football. They are a very good team and they led by uh, Hakan Chalhanoglu. Sorry, I'm trying to say his name. Hakan Chalhanoglu, who plays for AC Milan, a free kick specialist, and um, also Baruch Yilmaz. He's 35 years of age. But he's uh, kicking goals for fun. He actually scored a hat-trick against the Netherlands. Netherlands also in a bit of a tough spot. They're a bit in limbo um, in regards to their national uh, status. Uh, Czech Republic beat Estonia uh, 6-2. France drew with Ukraine, which was very, very surprising. Norway uh, beat Gibraltar 3-0. And there was no goal uh, from Erling Haaland. Uh, He got subbed off. Uh, uh, where he got subbed off in the 62nd minute, as well as Udegaard. It is against Gibraltar. Not that big of a deal. He'll come back fit and firing. Portugal beat Azerbaijan 1-0. So, the result... Oh, sorry. And Belgium beat Wales 3-1 very comprehensively. My What are my picks for um, the World Cup 2022? It's um, It's been a fun couple of mornings watching the replays, watching the games. Um, obviously, it's a bit weird with no crowds, but we're coming to expect that, hopefully, in the very near future, that that gets eradicated and bring fans back into the stadium. Uh, but I feel like teams like France and Poland, who drew, uh, would have won if they did have, if there was a crowd. France played at home, and uh, yeah, we're just we're just hoping to get some fans back. The essence of the world game are the fans. We're hoping to get them back, especially for international qualifiers. I feel like there would be a greater presence and a more um, uplifting support from the national, uh, from each respective national fans and. We're just hoping that that is the case for the next qualifiers. There is going to be another week or so of qualifiers. Um, everyone's going to get the trio of World Cup qualifiers to make up for the pandemic. So very excited to see some um, games over the weekend. The next qualifiers will start on Saturday. Um, but going back to last week in Clubland, Lewandowski, the Polish superstar, Ballon d'Or leader, he scored a hat-trick as Bayern beat Stuttgart 4-0 after being down to 10 men after the 11th minute, which was really, really interesting. Uh, Messi just kept being Messi. He scored a brace against Real Sociedad in their 6-1 win in the La Liga. And um, a huge shout-out to American Serginho Dest, who scored his first goal for Barcelona, the aspiring American fullback. He actually scored a brace as well. Juventus lose to the San, after San Siro to 16th place Benevento, which really puts their um, season in limbo. They're now 10 points adrift from Inter Milan, who are on top of the table. And uh, the pick of the Premier League was uh, West Ham Arsenal, I feel. A great three-all draw. 
Lingard and Odegaard stole the show for their respective teams. Lingard scored an absolute worldie, um, I think, in the 16th minute. Outside the box, half volley. Odegaard just showed that he could be a force to be reckoned with. I feel like he's been around for about 10 years and he's only 21, so there's so much more to come from Martin Odegaard. And as a Manchester United fan, I did give Lingard a lot of slack when he was at United. I didn't think he deserved to be there, but it is actually really good to see Jesse Lingard um, be at his best and bring back his form for West Ham. West Ham is no pushover club. They're coached by a great manager, and uh, he's getting the best out of Jesse Lingard, and that um, and he got his reward, earning himself an England cap this morning. Uh, but that is the week's results, uh, the World Cup qualifier results as well. We'll have this back every week, but after this short break, we will be talking about card grading and card grading services and uh, how the prices have increased, what to do, is it good or bad, and alternatives uh, for those that really can't afford to grade with the two big fish. Okay, we are back, and for the next 10 minutes or so, we are going to be talking about card grading and card grading services. For those that listen to the podcast, probably will know everything about card grading. You've done your research. You've obviously bought cards off either eBay or people that you know on social media or your or your Facebook groups. Um it's now becoming common that uh, basically a card that is uh, professionally graded is worth more raw. And um, before you embark on what could be a year plus long journey, I'll talk about that soon. Um, if you are hoping to grade one of your cards or multiple cards, you need to do your research. Ask your mates in the hobby uh, who they use or what you think you should use. And that's why I'm here for the next 10 minutes to talk about who you should use for what purpose of your card. Um, <clears throat> so, like I said, it is going to be a year plus long journey. There's a huge backlog of cards at the two Big Fish grading card services. Now, these two grading card services, you may all know, one's called PSA, the other one is called Beckett or BGS. So PSA is the longest running grading service in the world for cards. And if you intend on flipping or investing in a card, um, so if you want to sell a card um, for, for more than you got, so if you bought a card for a small amount raw, you go and get it graded, but you intend on flipping it or you know using it for investment purposes, PSA is the grading service. That is the number one grading service. Beckett or BGS is the grading service if you want to grade a card that you intend on keeping in your personal collection. Um, BGS... Their value, as everyone can see on eBay and, and all the sold prices on 130 point, it's evident that BGS um, is of lower value than PSA. Don't ask me why. I actually feel like the BGS service is better. The slabs are, are way more beautiful. And um, they actually do it in 0.5 increments. So 8.5, 9, 9.5, 10. Whereas PSA is just a flat nine, 8, 9, 10. Um, obviously, the higher the grade, the more valuable the car is, the card is, and more the more pristine gem it is. Uh, that goes without saying, obviously. But uh, the, there is talks now that B Beckett and BGS, <clears throat> their grading is catching up. 
Uh, Beckett 9.5, in my opinion, is the most underrated service and grading in in the card world. Um, a, a Beckett 9.5 roughly translates to a PSA 10, but um, why it's you know uh, valued less than a PSA 10, who knows? Uh, but there is a, a nice a little um, there is a nice little diagram to show what a BGS grade compares to in PSA. I will put that up on my Instagram page at Round Ball Breaks, and I will also put that on the Facebook group when advertising the uh, the release of this episode for those that need more um, information and are novices to the hobby, what it means. But again, PSA, if you want to flip or invest, Beckett, if you want to grade and keep in your personal collection and um, put in the ball room. Um, that being said, as the pandemic has happened, <clears throat> as the balloon is is. I wouldn't say bursting, but as it's expanding and prices are going off the charts, PSA and Beckett have decided to capitalize on this, and so they should. They're a business. They've changed their pricing as of the 1st of March 2021, so three weeks ago. Um, Regular uh, grading rate for just a normal card has increased from $50 per card to $100 per card, and there's other increases seen for higher tier levels of grading. So if you are intending to grade a very high level card, it will cost you a lot more money to go get it graded. Uh, PSA have raised their grading prices for both sports and trading cards. So we're talking about uh, Pokemon uh, is the main one. They've up, they've upped that grading service as well for anyone out there that you know uh, collects and wants to reinvest in Pokemon cards. Um, but that being said, it, while the high prices is seen as a negative, I actually feel like it's a huge positive, and I feel like Beckett and PSA um, did it well, and that was a good decision to make. Um, in my opinion, it will reduce the heavy backlog of the cards waiting to be graded. For example, it, it's now taken around four, six to nine months for a card to come back for anyone that's trying to grade. It's also taking... Um, more than 12 months for uh, bulk grade. So anything between six months to a year is the is you know what we're looking at for the return. Um, I, I've seen in even the PSA, there's a PSA submission group here in Australia where um, there's just been an announcement that the June, I think the June or July submissions from last year are now currently being graded, which is absolutely ridiculous considering that it, that, that it was nine months ago. So... If you are hoping to grade, I'd say grade now. Um, that's what I'm doing. I'm putting a couple of my um, high-end cards up for submission. Um, I would also consider um, being patient. There's, you know, patience is a virtue. It could come back with good results, but there are a lot of people that are holding back considering that they don't know if the bubble is going to burst, and that's the worst-case scenario of uh, going getting your cards graded, thinking to yourself you have possibly a five-figure card. For those out there that are lucky enough to have a six-figure card, you know, six figures, and then once they get them back, the bubbles burst, the prices have dropped significantly, which is a worry of mine, but I'm willing to take that risk. Um, but yeah, that that is what I feel um, that PSA and Beckett, they are doing it right. They have put up the prices. It will reduce the backlog. None of the, uh, you know, it will uh, demotivate and discourage those that are bringing in, you know, worthless cards to go get graded for stupid reasons why they want to bring them in to get graded. 
it reduces that capacity and it leaves the room for all the high-end cards of all the collectors that want to get them graded. So I think it's a great idea. I think they've done that well. People that haven't graded uh, previously, like myself, sort of missed the boat on the pricing, but that's fine. Um, I'll take that. And uh, hopefully, uh, not only will you get some good grades, uh, but hopefully you get them in time while the bubble is still expanding. I think it's going to still expand in soccer um, in the soccer world for all it's worth. We've got the European Championships coming up and then we've got the World Cup next year. So I don't think prices are going to drop at any time. And for those that collect Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi cards, I don't think they're going to drop either. Um, you know, the longer they go, they're as safe as houses. And once they retire, they're going to jump even higher and be considered the greatest, uh, two of the greatest players that ever lived. Uh, so that is my personal take. Um... And my big piece of advice, again, if you have a high-end card that you want to keep in grade, go to BGS uh, or Beckett. Uh, only send cards to PSA if you wish to flip and reinvest. Now, th we have talked about Beckett and PSA, but there are cheap alternate grading options for those out there that um, want a quick turnaround with their cards and want to get it professionally, gra professionally graded. Now, I've got four grading companies that I've listed. One's called SGC, that's called the Sports Grading Company, based in America. There is CGA, which is based in Australia. It's called Card Grading Australia. There's GMA, Game Management Authority, and there's HGA. And uh, for those out there that are wondering what is the best alternative, George, my advice is HGA. That is my pick. They've just come into the market. They've got beautiful slabs. They're an up-and-coming uh, grade service. And they provide excellent customer service from all the feedback that I have seen on their website and on their Facebook page and social media um, platforms. HGA, um, just look it up if you want to. I think it's hga.com. I'm not completely sure. Um, yes, they they probably won't have the high value if you were to grade at BGS and PSA, of course, because they are of the lower end. BGS, PSA obviously hold a bit of a 50-50 share and popularity in the market, but there are cheaper grading services that people are now going to as they want quicker turnaround and as they want um, you know, better customer service. Uh, so there we go. HGA, my pick for my alternate grading service. Um, CGA, the Australian one, I'll give them a bit of a wrap. When it comes to if for anyone that has AFL or footy cards or cricket cards or NRL cards, I strongly suggest CGA. Um, they grade from 1 to 100, which is weird. So you could get a 90, 92, 95, 98, or an 85, or an 86, which is which is weird in my opinion. But um, I think CGA, you've you got to support the locals. And uh, if, you, if you do have Australian-based sporting cards, jump to them. You know, if you're going to keep it in your personal collection, we want to get it professionally graded and grade amongst your peers in the Australian um, football or rugby or cricket world, then go for it, CGA. Okay, um, that is my spiel on gar uh, card grading and card grading services. Uh, we'll take another short break, and when we get back, I'm going to give everyone a massive treat. I've got 10 players from the Dutch Eredivisie uh, to watch and to possibly invest in in the very near future. All right, the time has come uh, to gladly give you my personal tips on the players to watch in the Dutch Eredivisie. Obviously, every week I go to a different league. 
Um, and this week I'm going to Holland to give you my tips on the players to watch in this league that have a few teams with uh, terrific academies. And um, I usually go through four different, I'll put them in four different tiers like I've done in previous years, uh, previous weeks, sorry. We have the players we know, players we're getting to know, players we don't know, and players to keep an eye on. But obviously, because the league is is, is so, I wouldn't say unpopular, but so less, uh, lesser recognized than the bigger leagues, we actually got one in one player in the players we're getting to know. We've got five in the players we don't know and three players to keep an eye on. And the first player that I'm going to talk about is one of my favorite, favorite players. Last week uh, in the Italian Serie A, I raved and raved on about Lataro Martinez, the Argentinian striker, which guys, again, buy, 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 go invest in him. For those that are waiting on the Tops Chrome Champions League uh, release um, in May, so in just over a month, um, he will he will hopefully have a Tops Chrome Champions League rookie card, and I strongly suggest you go pre-order a box just for that alone. He's going to be a superstar, but there's but this player I think um, exceeds him personally. This is just one of my favourite players, um, and for those that know me, know that I support this player really well. His name is Ryan Grabenberg. He is a 18-year-old central mid that can float up as an attacking midfielder. Uh, he plays for Ajax, and he is Dutch. And he has been... I think he played. He came on as a sub, or maybe he didn't, um, yesterday morning for the Netherlands in their shock 4-2 loss. But he is already a national player for, for Holland, or the Netherlands, whichever name you want to call them. He's a superstar for Ajax, and he's going to be a superstar for years and years and years to come. And he's another player that I would strongly um, advise to buy the Tops uh, Chrome Champions League box for. Uh, this player, like I said, 18 years of age. He plays predominantly as a central midfielder. Now, again, he is a player that I wouldn't put in the um, investment positions. Again, my investment positions are attacking wingers on the left or right, high attacking midfielders, strikers, or central attacking mids. But he can play central attacking mid, but his best position is known as a central midfielder. I consider him a more attacking Paul Pogba in the fact that he's got great... He, he's a tall midfielder. He's got terrific technique and touch, but he does seem to find himself in the box more than Pogba. He does seem to strike. Pogba, as we all know, loves a shot outside the box. I think Rabenberg moves about 5-10 yards deeper into the defensive third, uh, opposition defensive third, and can be a real threat. He's a He is one of the best passers for an 18-year-old that I've ever seen. He's a strong dribbler. He does love a long shot. He is a great shot for goal outside the box, but he's very prolific inside the box. Don't get me wrong on that. Um, according to the whoscored.com website in the Red of EC, 24 appearances, all starting. He's scored three goals, had five assists. He's had a rating of 7.32, which is ridiculously good. He And he averages 1.6 shots per game, which in fact shows how prolific and how damaging and um, how much of a threat he can be to opposition defences. He's played six times all as a starter in the Champions League as well this season. Um, he scored just the one goal, but had a rating of 6.85 and for a cent uh, an 18-year-old central midfielder. 
that is quite impressive. Uh, he did come on as a sub uh, yesterday, confirmed. Um, only an eight-minute stint, so that's nothing to worry about. But um, Grabenberg, again, Ryan Grabenberg, I'll spell the name G-R-A-V-E-N-B-E-R-C-H. I'm telling you guys, he could be the next best central midfielder. Um, Sandro Tonali in the Italian Serie A, another one that I mentioned last week, one of my favorites. Um, if I was to give a best 11, uh, my personal best 11 uh, in regard to up-and-coming rookies slash, you know, under-21s or under-23s, Gravenberg and Sandro Tonali will take the two central midfielding positions here. I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes the Dutch uh, captain. And then there is a bit of a changing of the guard, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast with the Netherlands. They're in a bit of limbo as a nation themselves. They're going from a transitional period from the old to the new. And this kid is going to lead the new generation of Dutch superstars. Ryan Gravenberg, he is, you know, just marking down he's going to be a superstar. He could end up being a golden ball winner in a European championship. He's that good. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Um, and we go on to the next uh, the next segment or the next uh, tier. It is players we don't know. Obviously, there's no players that we do know in this league uh, because all the ones that were in this league uh, that we do know have now gone on to bigger and better teams. But this next player, he plays for PSV Eindhoven. Uh, he wears the number 9. 22 years of age. He's a striker. His name is Daniel Marlin. He is also Dutch. He's played 26 times in the Dutch Redivisie this season, six as a sub. He's scored 15 goals and had six assists. So 15 goals in 20 starts is not a bad return. That's almost a goal a game. Six assists. He's got a who scored rating of 7.31, which is ridiculously good. Um, he's played uh, just the one. He played 69 minutes in the World Cup qualifiers for the Netherlands um, yesterday morning. He didn't play particularly well, um, he, but he did have two shots on target. He's had six man of the matches in the Dutch Eredivisie and in the Europa League. He's had eight appearances and scored five goals. So he is a goal-scoring machine and a very good passer for a striker. And he holds on to the ball. He can play as the false nine, and he can use that passing ability to pass it out wide or find players through the channels. And he does love a long shot on goal as well. Defensively, not all there. He's not a good aerial uh, threat. But what he can do is he can score goals. Uh... I wouldn't say he's a Gigan press forward. His pressing and his defensive abilities aren't all there, but his uh, goals speak for itself. Hopefully, he gets recognized by a big league and he does move. Hopefully, he, he's already been recognized as one of the next big things in Dutch football. Daniel Marlen, M-A-L-E-N. He is another one to take a look at. Superstar. And um, in... Uh, What's his last? His last contribution was against uh, AZ Alkmaar. Didn't play too well. 14th of March, two weeks ago, played against Feyenoord, scored the goal, and played all 90 minutes for an 8.22 rating. He is, uh, like I said, he's a very good player. Keep an eye on him. The next player that we're talking about is one that um, haven't hasn't really set the world on fire, but he's one that I've recognized um, for a couple of years. He plays for a team that isn't 
um, that doesn't get the respect they deserve in regards to their um, their output of superstars. They have had legends come through this team in the past of Aza Alkmaar. This kid's name is Calvin Stengs. He is a uh, he can play predominantly as a right attacking midfielder. He can push forward as a central attacking midfielder. He is in those investment positions. But this season, he has lit the world up in the Dutch Redivisie. He's had 24 appearances, all as a starting 11 player, all as a starting 11 player, and he's scored six goals, had four assists. Um, he's got a he's had three men of the matches for a 7.27 um, who scored rating. Played uh, six times in the Europa League and had one assist. And in the international friendlies, he's only had the two sub appearances. But uh, this kid is uh, pretty special. Uh, he's a very good passer, despite the fact that he does play on the ring. He likes to cut in. He's one of what you call, in football manager terms, an inside forward. Uh, great counter-attacking threat. Uh, but he does lack the um, the discipline. Uh, he, he can get caught out a bit. That being said, I think his good outweighs his bad. Like I said at the start, when I evaluate these players, I look at what they can do and not what they can't do. And what this kid can do is pretty impressive. Um, he's played uh, seven times as an attacking right midfielder, uh, 10 times as a right forward, which is a way higher up the ground, and can also pinch it in central midfield. He's had seven appearances there uh, this season. But he does, uh, according to the who scored with the minimum games of five, he plays better as that right attacking forward that can cut in an excellent inside forward. Not sure, I oh, know, not sure about where he's going in the world. Um, haven't really heard much about him in regards to transfer news or whether he is on any shortlists. But he's one to look for. Hopefully, he does get poached by a big team. And um, just watch his uh, performance and watch his uh, and watch his investment. If you do invest in him early, uh, come up in the ranks. I'm trying to find. I'm actually trying to find a uh, card of his or a rookie sticker of his, and I can't seem to find one. Uh, here we go. I've just found one. Uh, Calvin Stengs, uh, rookie AZ Alkmaar. It's a hot prospect sticker. And I think we find these in a uh, Dutch Red of EC set. I don't think it's Panini. I think it's um, looks like it's out of a cereal box. Uh, might be off out of a magazine, but um, that's currently gone for twenty nine US dollars. Uh, that that that's the only one I can find. So I don't think he's recognised um, as much, and I don't think he has that much out there. So if you can find something early, then um, then go for it. Now we're going to stay at. At this club at LZ Alkmaar, we've got two more players uh, to look at, and it's another striker. Uh, his name is Myron Bodu. I'll spell his name after I'm done uh, talking about him. He's a 20-year-old. He's again, he's a Dutchman. Plays predominantly as a striker, so he's not that versatile. But what he can do as a striker is pretty impressive. He's had 25 appearances in the Eredivisie, two as a sub. And has scored 12 goals and had one assist, which is a very good return. He's got a who scored rating in that league of 7.14. He's also had two appearances in the Champions League uh, for no real return for AZ Alkmaar. I think that might have been um, qualifying games because obviously aren't in the Champions League. He's had four appearances in the Europa League, two as a sub. He has not scored a goal. 
and he has a 6.27 rating. He's an excellent finisher, though, and um, that's what you need if you want to invest in a player early. Myron Bodu, B-O-A-D-U, is how you spell his last name. And as I'm looking on on eBay, I do see a couple of things. So we, it's the it's another hot prospect sticker of uh, that same. Uh, it looks like of that same set that we that I found the Calvin Stengs uh, sticker. Uh, it doesn't say what set it is from, which is interesting, but it is a hot prospect sticker. It's got the uh, facsimile um, autograph of his. Um, that's going for about 22 US dollars. That's a pretty cool uh, sticker, if you don't mind me asking. And um, he's also got a custom rookie card. Uh, Moron Bodu for AZ Alkmaar on eBay as well. I'm not sure if it is uh, legit or not, so I would um, I would strongly advise to steer away from that one. Myron Bodu. Uh, for all the Dutch fans out there, I hope I'm um, pronouncing these names properly. Now, the final player for AZ Alkmaar that I'll talk about in uh, in this podcast is a uh, a 21 year old. It's another uh, up and coming superstar. He can play as a left fullback and can play as an attacking higher. He can play as a higher attacking fullback, sorry, is what I meant, but predominantly does play as just that left fullback. His name is Owen Windell or Vindal, W-I-J-N-D-A-L. Um, he is, again, 21 years old. He's a defensive left back, and uh, one of his primary uh, abilities is to dribble. He's a great passer. Defensively, he's very, very good, uh, but he he has known to um, play higher up the ground and assist. He's had 27 appearances for AZ Alkmaar uh, this season, five assists in total for a 7.03 rating. So he's one to keep an eye on. He's not the traditional investor position that I've been that I would um, encourage to get, um, but we have seen the likes of players like Andy Robertson. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who are actually pretty um, high up and, and, and valuable in, in the card-collecting world, in, in the world of football. So this player could be a great uh, candidate for a breakout, Owen Vindal. Uh, he, let's just have a look, he has played, he did play one game, he did play um, yesterday morning in Turkey's 4-2 loss against, um, in, sorry, in Netherlands 4-2 loss against Turkey. But he did have a 5.79 rating. Obviously, they did concede four goals. So there's something to be going on there. But if you're a 21-year-old and are starting for the Netherlands, um, you definitely are, you know, you should be, you know, put on the board and recognize for all the investors out there. Owen Vindal, W-I-J-N-D-A-L. And those are the AZ Alkmaar players in the players we don't know column. There's one more. Um, in this segment that I want to talk about. He is from the Ivory Coast. He's a 23-year-old that plays for PSV Eindhoven. His name is Ibrahim Sangare. He is a player... Uh, a lot of African strikers um, I, I do get very excited about. He's one as, that, that I'm also uh, very excited about from the Ivory Coast. 23 years old. Plays as a central defensive midfielder but can go higher as a central midfielder. Um, again, he is... Sorry, I was uh, I was saying striker before. No, he's a central midfielder. I'm getting carried away. I'm going... I'm moving forward into the plays to keep an eye on, but we'll get through this guy first. Can play as a central midfielder, not in the traditional um, 
you know, not in the traditional investment positions, but as a central midfielder, he is proven to be one of the best in the league. He's had 22 appearances in the Eredivisie, four PSV, two as a sub. He's only scored the one goal, but um, he's an excellent passer. His passing accuracy is 84.8%. He's got a total overall who scored rating of 7.4. Now, this guy isn't one that I would recommend to invest. He's one that I would recommend as a collector for those that are Dutch and for those that uh, follow the Dutch league. Uh, Ibrahim Sangare is is one that I would personally recommend to keep an eye on and to maybe buy a couple of um, his rookie cards or rookie stickers if you can find them. I'm just currently going on eBay right now and there is def- there is one of him. And uh, it's very, very cheap. It's going for about three bucks. Uh, Ibrahim Sangare. It is a Panini Foot 2020 sticker. And it's him playing for Toulouse in France. So that's one to probably keep an eye on for those that want to collect him. And one that, you know, one that anyone wants to keep an eye on. Ibrahim Sangare. S-A-N-G-A-R-E. He has a Toulouse uh Panini foot sticker out there. Um, he let's have a look at what else he's done. Europa League seven appearances, six as a as a starter, seven point one five rating. He's only played the one game in the Africa Cup of Nations for the Ivory Coast, and I believe he'll be playing in this international break for the Ivory Coast as they have African Cup of Nations fixtures soon on the horizon. So. That's another player to uh, keep, or another player we don't know, and a player for a collectors that want to collect someone um, that would be fun to watch and follow. Uh, now we're going to move on to three quick players to keep an eye on. Um, it's a very quick podcast this week, as it is the Dutch league. We're not going over an hour anymore. I think we might just be hitting the forty-minute mark, but we'll start with a player that I'm very, very keen on uh, talking about. Um, he is a player that, uh, for those that actually play football manager, will know who I'm talking about. They're what they call a wonder kid. His name is Mohamed Ihataren or Ihataren. Um, he is um, he is a very exciting prospect and uh, one to definitely keep an eye on. Uh, he's got uh, he's another one that even in in FIFA world for those that play FIFA, he's one that you would probably transfer in um, pretty quickly and watch. Um, and watch that his uh, his stocks rise. Uh, very very good player from the little that I've seen him. He's now 19 years of age. Um, he can play anywhere. So he can play as a central attacking mid. He can play as a left uh, attacking winger or a right attacking winger. Conversely, he can also uh, score a goal and pinch hit up forward. Uh, just trying to get his uh, stats up as we speak. I uh, don't think I can find... Well, last season, I'm looking at last season's Eredivisi, where he was 18 years old. He's had 22 appearances and scored three goals, had six assists, uh, which is pretty impressive for a player of his age. He's an excellent passer from what I remember. He's got, he possesses great pace and he's a very, very good dribbler. He's got that technique. He's got a great first touch as well. Um, his last name is spelled I-H-A-T-T-A-R-E-N, Mohamed Ihataren. Um, trying to also find if I can find um, a sticker or a, or a card of his. There we go. It is a sticker, and it looks like it's in that same um, sticker collection as we found uh, Calvin Stengs and Myron Bodu. It's a rare 1920 rookie 
uh, numbered 164. You can get that for about 30-odd Australian dollars. Now, the next two, the last two that we'll be talking about, uh, one's at Ajax and one is at AZ Alkmaar again, but we'll start off with the... Uh, I, uh, we'll start with the... Might go to Ajax. And uh, this kid's name is another one that uh, pre people will probably be familiar with for those that, that do play... Um, football manager. His name is Nasi Unyova, and uh, he is one that not only is he talked about in um, football manager terms, but he is one that a lot of Dutch people and a lot of uh, Dutch coaches are considering to be a very good player in the future. He plays predominantly as a striker. He's 18 years old. Um, he can play on the left, and he can also play as an attacking midfielder, play a bit deeper. He's a very good technical player and a very good attacker. Defensively, he's not that good, um, so he can't play in a traditional Gigan press team. That being said, he's good outweighs his bad. He's one to keep an eye on purely because I haven't seen much of him. There's a lot of good talks about him, um, and he's uh, just you know he's in the investment positions as well. So I would strongly consider to keep an ear out for Nasi Yunyavar. His uh, name, his last name is spelled U N U V A R, U N U. VAR, Nasi Yunyavar, and the final player that we will talk about in tonight in today's podcast at AZ Alkmaar. His name is Ernest Poku. Now, this guy, I uh, just take his name with a grain of salt for now. He's only 16 years of age. He's another one that when I look at the forum, when I've been looking at the forums over the last week, trying to find some other Dutch players that might, uh, you know, might be worth looking for. Ernest Poku springs out. He's Dutch. He plays for AZ Alkmaar. He is 17 years of age. And uh, he can play predominantly as a striker who can also do what um, Nasi Yunyavar can do, which is play as a left attacking mid or a right attacking mid. Doesn't really play as an, a central attacking mid, though. Um, but that's a really good sign for someone that's... Uh, you know, someone in those investment positions that could be a very good player. Let's just hope that he keeps that going and uh, let's just hope we see more of him. Uh, he only, he, he's played in the AZ Alkmaar under-18s only this year. He's only had two appearances but scored two goals, which is pretty good. Uh, his best attribute from what I've seen and from what I've heard on the forums is his speed. He's got great natural pace and um, a very physical striker as well or a physical attacker. So, guys, Poku, P-O-K-U is how to spell his name. Those are the Dutch Eredivisie players to watch. I'll go through them all again. Ryan Gravenberg, he's the main man of Ajax, 18 years of age. Daniel Marlin, 22 years of age. PSV Einhoven striker Calvin Stings, 22-year-old from AZ Alkmaar, plays as an attacking right mid. Myron Bodu. 20-year-old striker from AZ Alkmaar. Ibrahim Sangare, a 23-year-old central midfielder from the Ivory Coast. And Owen Vindal, a 20-year-old left wing-back from AZ Alkmaar. And the final three, Mohamed Ihataren, 18-year-old left or right attacking mid for PSV. Nasi Yunyavar, an 18-year-old striker from Ajax. And finally, Ernest Poku, a 16-year-old uh, striker slash high winger from AZ Alkmaar. Guys, that is the podcast. It was so great to talk uh, football once again and talk about the players to watch 
Next week is going to be an interesting one. I will finally be going to Spain. I will be doing a La Liga uh, players to watch, so it will be a bit longer. Um, and I would also encourage for those that listen to the podcast and see the release post up on my page, Roundball Breaks, or my Instagram at Roundball Breaks, um, but they recommend if they want to hear what their next um, league they want to hear would be. Um, I'm currently, at the moment, I'm thinking Spain and then I'm thinking France. But if anyone else has a league in mind that they'd like to hear about or find any um, investment players or players that I'd like to talk about or they'd like me to talk about, uh, please feel free to comment me and um, and to give me a suggestion. Any feedback is welcome. But again, guys, we have all podcasts. Like, subscribe on the Apple Podcast and SoundCloud. Get around it. Thank you all for joining me and um, I'll see you next week.